And welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. I'm Trip Mitchell, and that's Randall Carlisle. We've got a great guest this week, but if this is the first time watching the show, we are a show all about addiction and the literally thousands of people in the community here in Utah who are trying to do great things for you and help you out. Yeah, not just addiction, but recovery, because yeah. there's... I'm. I, I wish we could do a survey, but people wouldn't admit to it, but that there are thousands of people in recovery just in the Salt Lake area. So, Is it... Including you and me. Including you and I. It, as a public figure, was it very relieving for you? Uh, how did it feel to actually let people know you had an addiction issue? I was scared to do it at first because I figured people would... And I still get, when I... When I when I tell people that I'm in recovery, they their first question is, "Were you drunk on the air?" Yeah, I mean, and, and that's a logical question. And I, and I say, "No, I was a functional alcoholic," which meant I didn't drink in the morning when I got up. I didn't drink while I was at work, but I drank a heck of a lot when I got home off work until I passed out every night. But I had eight or nine hours of sleep, and so I was fine when I went in the next day. So, and it was scary at first to. Uh, I guess it is for everybody to admit that they're in recovery. Uh, and it took me a couple of years after I had been sober before I would admit it to anybody. But now it's it's a freeing feeling and it's empowering. You know, it's like, yeah, okay, I'm in recovery. So that doesn't define who I am. That doesn't mean I wasn't a good news person. It doesn't mean I'm not a good person. It's just I'm in recovery. Could it be a situation where you're going to help more people now than I, you ever did? I would like to think so, because I, I would like to think that if people see people from a professional side of things, like, oh, God, he was a TV anchor man, and he's admitting that he's in recovery or that he needed help, that other people might come forward and do the same thing. And it's not a big deal. Well, it's interesting. We had another gentleman that in a past show who was an LDS bishop in recovery, <laughs> and that's one that I, surprised the heck out of me. But I was I was shocked too. But but he's very open about it, and and his ward is very welcoming to him. I mean, so it's it's just not. It part of doing this is to remove the stigma from the idea of that. Okay, I'm in recovery. I'm an alcoholic. You're an addict. I mean, okay, fine. But yeah. where are we going from here? Exactly. Yeah. And once you are open about that. And I remember when I first went in recovery down in Vegas, I was doing a live show on Thursday nights. And after I'd realized I had a challenge and started going to meetings, I said to my producer, should I announce it on the air? And he goes, I'll never forget this. He goes, you might want to see if it's going to keep. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but anyway, it's kind of enlightening. So tell us who we have this we week. We have a recovery superstar here. He wouldn't say so, so I'm saying it for him. He pays me okay. in PR for him. Uh, he started a group that is known as the only sober gym in the Salt Lake area, maybe in Utah, I'm not sure, mm-hmm. fit to recover. And his name is Ian Acker, and I've known Ian for a long time. I did a lot of stories uh, on you as your year anniversaries progressed. Uh, maybe you could tell us about fit to recover, what it does. Um, yeah, so fit to recover is, it started... It started in treatment um, because I saw this need to, um, I longed for connection, right? I You're in recovery too. I'm in recovery, yes. Uh, it was in treatment where this idea okay. hatched. Um, so I was in treatment and I would get out of treatment and then I would relapse. And then I would go back to treatment and then I would relapse. And I would go back to treatment and then I would relapse. And then I was like, there has to be a place that I can go when I get out. 
Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so there needed to be a safe place that I could connect with people. And fitness is part of my background, moving my body and, and doing all these different things is, is a lubricant to connection. And that's why Randall and I connect so well with you. Yes, that's yeah, right. We were, you know, I go four nights a week to fit to recover. Yeah. So you talk, oh, so, well, I, yeah but so, so I, I found that there was, there was a need to be met um, based on safety and connection. And uh, I used fitness to be that, um, that distractor for those two things. So if someone feels safe, um, then they can connect. When they can connect, they feel grateful. When they feel grateful, they don't isolate. When they don't isolate, they don't drink. When they don't drink, they don't want to die. When they don't drink and they don't want to die, they're of service. And then this whole, you know, beautiful thing happens. And you started out very humbly. You want to Yeah, in the park. Because he's got a nice, you have a nice facility now. What's the address? We'll plug it a couple of times. 789 West, 1390 South. Salt but, Lake City. But it wasn't always there. It wasn't always there. That's there right. was Sugar House Park. That's right. Humble yeah. beginnings. Started with a boombox, um, a boombox and uh, a Facebook post that I was really scared about um, because I was, I was scared of what people would think. And uh, I had two people there the first Saturday. And the way I looked at it was at least I got a workout. And then we talked about recovery afterwards. And then there were seven people, and then there was three people, and then there was 20 people, and then there was four people, and then there was 60 people, and then there was 10 people, and then there was 80 people, and there was 40 people. And I was like, okay, um, this might be something. And then we went to USARA, actually, um, and we did a run group. So we would run around State Street, and then we'd do a process <laughs> group, and people thought we were crazy. Um, and, and we'd do that, so we were in the park, and then we were in USARA twice a week. And, again, the numbers fluctuated, but <clears throat> certain people kept showing up. And uh, those certain people are close friends of mine, and I, they don't know how much they did for me in the beginning. Um, so we had two groups, and then it got cold, and we're like, we have to go, we have to figure out what to do now, um, because now we're getting a little bit of momentum. And we tried to rent a, we, we, we looked at a, a number of different spaces, we looked to rent at other gyms, and uh, because I was a recovering alcoholic, which was interesting, uh, people didn't want to rent to me. Um, because they you were, actually got rejected. How did yeah. they know? Okay, I would tell them. I, I have no problem telling people, like, because they wanted to know what we were going to do. And I'm like, it's going to be a sober gym. And they're like, cool. Like, that doesn't make any sense. I don't know anything about recovery. And what I do know is that you guys steal and don't pay your bills on time. And you know these, again, the stigma of addiction. Um, so my father was nice enough to write a personal guarantee on a building. Um, and our landlords are great people, and uh, we've been there for five years now, 5,500 square feet, where we have a kitchen, we have a music studio, um, we have community service, and we have fitness. Uh, fitness is what it was built on, and, uh, and nutrition came, and then the creative arts, just expressing yourself through, through voice and instruments uh, came next, and, and then getting out in the community and, and being of service. Describe the fitness area. Because you have a climbing wall and you have... Yeah, yeah, so we got a climbing wall. Petzl built us a climbing wall. Um, <clears throat> Petzl built us a climbing wall, and then we, we run about 30 classes a week, um, and they're all built on that safety and connection piece. So a lot of it's like I go, and then you go, so we can connect in between um, barbells and kettlebells. There's body weight, and uh, <clears throat> it's slowed down in the sense of we want the new person to feel welcome. And if you come in there and you're doing all these crazy movements with all this crazy weight um, and you're doing it against a clock, like that scares people. Sure. So 
would scare me. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a lot of kettlebells, a lot of barbells. Uh, Frank Young, our, our fitness coordinator, is super, super good about the safety of the body and moving properly um, and the technique. And then, uh, you know, once you get somebody in the middle of an hour or, or at the end, then you've accomplished something together, you've done something hard, you've walked through fear, and you've made a new friend. How, how many people take advantage of the facility every month? We see about 400 people a week, so 400 times about 1,500. The cool thing there, and Randall and I have talked about your facility, is that when you get people hooked up there, it becomes kind of a catalyst for a lot of great things to happen, and you mentioned it earlier. Yeah. What is the most, is there a most important focus point, or is it just kind of a situation where you get the nutrition, the socialization, and the athletics together, or the workout that it all works? Uh, the most important, like, root word for me um, would be safety, uh, emotional safety, because a lot of my life I haven't felt a part of, and the last thing that I want to do is create a space where somebody comes in and they don't feel a part of. So if you can make that person feel the most comfortable, um, it doesn't matter what you do in between. And see, what's really cool when I said he's like a superstar in the recovery community, so many treatment programs, Odyssey House included, uh, have weekly or bi-weekly trips planned for their residential community and they take them over to Fit to Recover. And it's something that I know our clients look forward to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm saying, hey, I get to go to Fit to Recover tomorrow because they're in this residential setting and, and, and a lot of them are into exercise. And they and although we do have small little exercise places in our residential settings, they love going over to FTR. And the right, the right song at the right time stimulates the brain, um, and then high fives and, and lifting weight. It just it does something that is special to the soul, um, and I'll stand by that. And it's a really special place. And it's What's wonderful. your father said to you after writing the guaranteeing the least? Does he ever? Ian, you damn well better make this work. Or <laughs> has he come over and just put his arm around you and said, "Hey, this is pretty amazing." Uh, oh man, that's that's a whole nother question. Me and my father have a really interesting relationship. Um, my dad comes from a PhD background of um, research. So <clears throat> he loves me. I love him. Our communication skills aren't very good because he's a very logical thinker. Um, so sometimes I, yeah, he, he does say he's proud of me, um, but also, right? Sure. Uh, so, so sometimes... Um, his biggest visual supporter is his mom. And my mom, yeah. She's, she's been to functions I've been to and everything, and she, she loves the place. Yeah, so. both so, my parents. Yeah, it, it's cool. And, and so my buddy Jake, who's worked with you before, uh-huh. who's actually down watching the show today, said, I've got this great guest for you, Ian. And I called Randall up, and Randall said, I know him well, emceed a bunch of his dinners and, yeah. and really respect and like everything that you've done. And Randall, you have a unique perspective of, when you get with someone every year of their growth, you get to see how some of these facilities change and grow. That must be fun from your per- Well, and I, your I had fun, uh, and thank God Channel 4 gave me the, the leeway to do what I wanted when I did some reports on FTR uh, before each of their anniversaries. And, and what I really had fun doing was trying to find some old video of 
his days at Sugar House Park, yeah. and and I found all these and interview him and try to get him to speak up about himself, which was sometimes very difficult. I'm getting better. Yeah, you are. I'm you are. Better. Well, and it was really fun to put together. Okay, it started out like this, and now it's growing, and now it's growing. And some of the treatment facilities, that, what are the other treatment facilities that go there? You have a ton of them now. Yes, yeah. Ascend, Renaissance Ranch, Turning Point. Um, Cold, uh, Cold Creek? Or? They used to. Okay. Um, Salt Lake Behavioral, uh, Pinnacle, um, the, the list goes on. See, it's fun to see them Balance succeed. House, Even Square, yeah. And, 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 the, and I think they've grown... In terms of the recovery community and treatment facilities, having respect for Ian and, and what FTR does. And that's why so many of them are, are, are involved with what he does. But and, he always has to raise money, too. So, And speaking of that, that's the 800-pound gorilla. How do you go out and raise money to keep the doors open? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. It's, it's a lot of stress. Um, it's, it's all about relationships. Um, telling your story, having people believe in you, um, believe in your mission, um, showing showing them what their money is doing for them, um, and and really just having them buy into what what FTR is. You know, what's funny is when you go out and in sales, they teach you the best person to sell to is someone you're already doing business with. Mm-hmm. And too many organizations go out and do the hard work where they find an organization, they find someone who would be a perfect fit, and they get that person to write the check, and then they lose their number. Right. Until the next year. And so much of it is maintaining that relationship Absolutely. and saying, I know you're busy, Mr. Car Dealer, but come by and let me buy you a cup of coffee this afternoon and show you what we're doing. That's and it. that makes all the difference. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why, like, donor stewardship is super important. When someone sends you money, you, you write them a thank you, write them a handwritten note, and you say thanks for believing in us. And you just build relationships. And, and that's one thing that I've always been good at is continuously um, saying thank you. When uh, back in Vegas, when we first started doing the high school sports, I remember going in and seeing a car dealer, and I was very solicitous of him to sponsor the high school game of the week. And it was a Saturn guy, and he goes, Tripp, you're doing me a favor. I go, what do you mean by that? And he goes, as a car dealer, the best thing I can possibly do is be identified in the community. Right. And by you walking in here and offering me a chance to get involved in high school sports, I'm going to look like a hero. Right. You're frankly not charging enough. I said, it's too late to add a zero. <laughs> But I think Saturn's out of business, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) What does that say? (laughs) I should have charged him more while we still had him. But in your case, it's the ability to interact with those owners and provide them value right off the bat that gives you longevity. And they just want to be treated. They don't want to be treated like CEOs. They don't want to be treated like someone special. They just want to hear your story. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm meeting with so-and-so and and I'm going to treat him differently than I would treat Randall or, or Cassidy or Jake, right? Um, well, Jake, maybe. No, no. no. <laughs> um, but, I mean, back to, like, I, I just want to say that I, my parents, without my parents um, being a focal point in the beginning of FTR, we wouldn't be here. So I, I love my dad and my mom very much. And my sister actually started the nutrition program, who you'll hear from Cassidy, who took it over about six months ago. But my family's been super um, instrumental in, in teaching and, and believing in me. So It's one of those places that if, I mean, it's, it's easy to sell if you get somebody in looking at what's going on. Trying to describe it on the outside, I, I sometimes feel that frustration with Odyssey House, and I, I want to invite people to come in and watch yeah. growth happening. And, and the same thing, if you watch one of his classes with everybody in recovery, all jacked up, doing exercises and everything, I mean, it, 
it's it's an uplifting, yeah. almost spiritual kind of thing to watch. Just watch the face. That's all you got to watch, and you watch how many people smile, and that's why like good ideas take eight to ten years. Like people don't know what it is, and we're on our fifth year, and it's only going to get bigger, and it's only going to get better. Well, it sounds like you've done a great job of kind of being Switzerland in that all the recovery people, yeah. you're the one thing that they like. Right. And that's why Randall mentioned you're the superstar in the recovery team. But if you can bring people together, if it's one organization, that is, that's wonderful just right there. Well, yeah. and it's such, a, it's such an important component to recovery. Yeah. I mean, it's people staying in shape and because they weren't... I, like if you're in active addiction, say wherever you are, you're shooting up heroin all the time or doing something, you're, you're not you're not treating your body well and you're not staying in shape. Uh, and and part of the recovery is treating your body better and 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 getting in shape. And there's and there's I've watched people who have gone through FTR. I work with somebody in my office, and and she has grown so much. Emotionally, I mean, her body's, she could beat the crap out of me if she wanted to, which isn't saying a lot, but, uh, uh, but, but I've seen her just blossom in terms of confidence and feeling good about herself and everything, and an awful lot has to do with going to FTR. Yeah. Well, and then, like, so, like, when Turning Point brings their clients there for the food and the, uh, the fitness, it's, we're introducing them to a place, because in recovery, a lot of, like, new places are scary especially when you say gym in front of it. So if they can get to know our staff while they're in a safe place, then when they get out, it's like join our community. And then they join the community, and then they're laughing, and then they have a whole nother set of friends. But And Ian, as you well know, in recovery, you think that the fun is ended. Sure. The day that you decide that you're not going to have, a, in yeah. my case, and Randall's another drink, that... Those days are behind you, and nothing could be further from the truth. And the first time you go out and laugh, or the first time you go to an event or a concert and do something that you used to heretofore think of as being something I would do while drinking. Yeah, you'd be high to go to something like that. Yeah, now there are still a few things that I just will not do sober, and that's include dancing. But, yeah, yeah, dancing's you know, tough. There's no reason to... to dancing's tough. But it's fun when you can see people having fun the first time sober right. and realizing that the rest of their life is not going to be boring. Well, it gives people hope, right? Sure. It gives people hope. And then a lot of the time, you know, after um, Frank does a really great job of, like, connecting back with the breath. So we connect with the breath in the beginning, and then at the end we usually go around and say, what is something you're grateful for? So it just hammers home after a long, hard workout that we're, we're all grateful for where we're at. And they say a grateful alcoholic usually doesn't go back out. And You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of touch words that we use within our workouts to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and, you know, different things of that nature that uh, we sprinkle into the workouts that uh, people hear differently when they're in the middle of. Do you, do you have one, without revealing names or anything, do you, do you have Somebody who stands out in your mind who came in beaten down and battered and now is doing wonderfully that you could Absolutely. tell um, us about. So a gentleman came from the uh, youth um, homeless shelter. And VOA youth the homeless. VOA youth homeless shelter. And uh, he brought two or three of his friends because he heard it was a free gym, right? And we're not a free gym, but we will scholarship you in if you're low income, for sure. Um, but he just heard free gym. And he stayed consistent with us. His friends fell off. He stayed consistent. He stayed consistent. Um, he started learning a lot of the techniques. And he started connecting. And he started going to 
the, the food and some of the service outreaches, and he just stayed around, he stayed around, he stayed around, and now he has the opportunity to uh, teach some of these treatments in our classes. So it's just seeing him um, continually show up and be consistent. Um, he now works for a place that, that he came from, uh, the youth shelter, about two and a half years ago. So wow. it's really neat to see. How, uh, how important is nutrition in the whole scheme of things? And we're going to get to get a chance to talk to your coworker In our next program. Yeah. yeah. Nutrition is important, isn't it? Uh, a, a healthy relationship with food, I think, is very important. And I think there's, there's a difference between um, restricting and, like, not eating carbs and not eating sugar and not eating um, soda. I mean, this is what my sister. I grew up with a registered dietitian. She was always... I mean, I pray to my food now. I'm fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's weird, but, like, it, her whole thing with nutrition is uh, have a relationship with it. And I think that if you can have a healthy relationship with food, then you don't go after 10 Red Bulls, and you don't spike your dopamine up super high, and then you crash super hard. Um, I still look at food as a reward, though, so I still, I still like struggle a little bit with that like when I get home like that's my reward it's like a lot of food because I love food um but in the brain if we can get people eating healthier there's not as much of this so yeah and it's interesting Angela Martindale I don't know if you who hosts a, another show that we do here she's a nutritionist and she explained and, and in many cases people will talk about having a reward day one day a week where they can eat with they want and her position is that if you're an addiction you don't get to go out and drink one day right. or do drugs one day right. you kind of have to buy i in. wish you could but yeah and in my case i know that that first sugary snack that i go for and you and i just had the world's worst breakfast bars yeah yeah i like those, those oh <laughs> you took but, them but over see, to your but there's your relationship with food the world's worst like what it's just a it's just a it's, it's a, a block of sugar well or it's just something that gave you a little bit more energy sure and, yeah, no question, but it's kind of funny that uh, you both and I, you know, and I was embarrassed to in, put this box of food in front of her. And, yeah. you know, it was sugar packaged and sugar marketed sure. by sugar. And, yeah. you know, which is really pretty bad for you. That being said, when you get people who are recovering, all of a sudden they're eating a little better uh -huh. and doing a better job. That's a that's an amazing transformation right there. Absolutely. And then they can see it. And then it's... Um, but, I mean, back to what you just said, right, it is like <clears throat> then you start shaming yourself about the food that you ate, right? And, and we want to get as far away from shame as we possibly can um, because all we're trying to do is just stay alive and do our best. Stay positive. That's so <clears throat> we've got some people watching today, and they might have someone, a family member, a loved one, someone they know from work, church, et cetera, who's got some addiction issues. What would you say to them about the hope and the amount of people out there that would be available to help 24/7 in this community. There are a lot of people. There are a lot of people that are, are willing to help. That um, it gives purpose to people to help. Um, I can tell you, seven years ago, I couldn't keep a job. Um, I didn't have a paycheck. I didn't have relationships. I didn't have my family, um, and I had no purpose. And today. Um, we help people every single day. I have two beautiful dogs, a beautiful girlfriend. I actually bought a house. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, I bought a house. <laughs> and uh, I don't run out of gas when I'm driving. <laughs> so, like, but, I mean, the materialistic stuff doesn't matter. Like, the, 
the the self work that I've I've learned about myself, not attaching to thoughts, doing my best, staying grateful, um, loving myself for who I am, and and that's the stuff that I've learned over the seven years that's so important. And and the fact that I know that everything's going to be okay, um, as long as I don't pick up. And maybe it will be okay if I pick up. I don't know. That's another thing that no, I want to. But, no. but that's that's one thing I want to <laughs> like. I don't think we should count time. I don't think if you have 20 years of sobriety, you are any better than somebody with 10 days of sobriety. I think it's how you show up every single day. I think it's the person with 20 years can show up like a complete jackass. And a person with 10 days of sobriety can show up of service. How can I help? And, and the person with 10 days is winning. And there's no losing or winning, but I think that we put so much time, we put so much emphasis on time that we, if we go back out, then we, we go crazy. Well, we I mean, do venerate people with a sure lot of time. we do. And we're all just one day away from relapse. Sure. It doesn't matter whether you got 20 years. But then or... it's the internal dialogue. If I go drink tomorrow, I have thrown away seven years of my life. And it's like, no. And you haven't thrown away seven years. You have learned in those seven years. It's time to, if it didn't work, figure out something else. But that shame and that guilt is so detrimental when we start putting time on the quality of our sobriety, in my opinion. Oh, that's great. Ian, thank you so much for coming in. Absolutely. This has been Let him give a plug to get some money in his place. Please do. Please. How, how do people find it? We'll put have your website up on the bottom of the screen. For those of you listening on iTunes and our podcast, we'll give it out to you right now. Yeah, uh, go to www.fitnumeral2recover.org, or you can email me personally at uh, acker0012 at gmail.com. Why don't you do that one more time? Slow it down. F-I-T... Numeral two recover.org or Ian A at fit numeral two recover.org. Much better. If I was writing down, I'd I'd be. And you will accept million dollar checks. Million dollar checks. Payable to Trip or Randall? Uh, Trip. Okay. <laughs> and then Randall, you gave Still 50%. doesn't trust me. <laughs> I don't blame Ian, thank you thank so you. much for coming in. I appreciate in. it. Thanks and again, if, for what you do. the purpose of the show, thanks for watching or listening. If this is your first time, there are so many people out there who want to help. And part of what Randall and I and Ian and the rest of us in the recovery community, it's called giving a way to keep it. And so we're out there to try to... This, no one gets paid doing any of this. This is what we do for fun. But if we can help one person, there was someone there for me, I know, and someone there for Randall and Ian, and more than someone. There are a lot of people who are out there trying to help you. And so pick up a phone. We've got Odyssey House phone number at the bottom of the screen. Randall will give it to you right now. 801-322-3222. Slow down, Randall. Yeah, 801-322-3222. You are... You know, have you ever thought about getting into radio? I'm, I'm going to try sometime. And, uh, but, but I'm too old. But call, there are so many people out there, and Salt Lake is actually a hotbed of really dedicated, wonderful people yeah. who want to see you, your friend, your loved ones feel better about theirself and themselves. And the way to do that is to talk to someone. Yeah. It goes from being your problem to everyone's problem. And then it gets much easier to take care of. We'll see you next time. Hey, want to thank Lee and his crew, and also yes. want to thank Bill Francis. Our guest in studio, yes, Jake, coming in studio. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time. Hey, maybe people won't believe that we have a studio audience. Let's hear the applause, studio audience. Okay, Okay, we are, we've packed it. We'll see you next time. Thanks for watching. Have a wonderful day.